Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we take the national theater news and tell you why it matters for your tiny little corner of the world. And every time I start this intro, I really want to do in my own little chair, my own little corner, go full Cinderella. Um, and I think I've done it too many times, so I need a new bit. So, dear listeners, please, please, please give me a new intro for this bit. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And listeners, if you want to hear Ryan sing all of in my own little corner because now he's brought that up uh let us know that too so there is now i don't think i've told you this cassie so i had guys and dolls tech week this week and we opened last night and it was great and the kids were great and all of that good stuff but i had an adelaide who had strep throat during tech week middle school show in february that makes sense It sure does. Yes, it does. Um, So she missed one night of tech, and then she was cleared to return. But she did miss a night of tech. And for this particular production, I have been operating the spotlight the whole time. Uh Uh-huh. Because I can do a lot of cool, like, uh, you know, 1950s spotlight things and kind of end scenes and buttons, because that's how the shows are written. You know, not like they're written like that anymore. Um, We should talk about, like, how spotlights no longer exist as a separate thing. But... That's a whole separate thing. Um, So I'm doing the spotlight, and this one night, it was Tuesday of Tech Week, I did not have an Adelaide, and we're still going to do a full run. And they're middle schoolers. This is a middle school production. There are no such things as understudies, Uh especially for this role. Right. Right. It's not like I could just have somebody get up and do it. So I was the voice of Adelaide. Oh, I would have paid good money to be at that rehearsal. Yeah, um, so when you talk about a recording of my own little corner, there is probably actually cell phone quality recordings from 12-year-olds of me doing Adelaide's Lament and Marry the Man. Phenomenal. I do not know if they exist, but I did them. Vocals only, though. Going to have your assistant director try and hook me up with that. I'm sure between them they probably have it. It was... uh quite the experience it was also the night that the uh the choir teacher came to watch because he couldn't be at the shows this weekend because it's um omea so he's there and he and i'm like i just gotta warn you it's gonna be a little different tonight oh, how boy. did the rest of your cast handle having an actor out during tech week they all stepped up pretty well um we had talked about it and were prepared it was really the hot box girls have to work around adelaide not being there uh, and they did an all right job they kept it going and then um, really, it's a bunch of scenes with Adelaide and Nathan. So my Nathan, um, the guy playing him, is certainly a younger actor, and mm-hmm. it was definitely a challenge for him. Um, and I asked him afterwards because he did a, he did a pretty decent job of staying in character and playing against an empty space and you know keeping it going. Um, so I asked him afterward, and I was like, "So was that weird? Or like, what did you think?" And he said, "You know." It's a lot less distracting when you don't have somebody standing next to you. You know, I I can understand that. I can absolutely understand that. Yeah, like, for sure. I, it's like running lights it. alone in your living room. Exactly. You're just going to be better by yourself, especially when you're a 13-year-old pretending to be in love and engaged. Right, right, like, right exactly. Yeah, those life yeah. experiences that you know so it's, well. Exactly. This is way less awkward. Yeah, I'm looking at... This is this is my least favorite time of year to do shows because everybody is sick mm-hmm. and also because I work for a community th- company and not like a school company, 
Um, I'm pulling from all different schools, which means I have so many different spring schedules that I'm fighting with. Yeah. I'm missing three actors on my final dress for kindergarten because they have choir concerts. I can't have a tech rehearsal on Tuesday of my tech week because I am literally missing half of my cast for the high school choir concert. And then Thursday of tech week, um, the art school in Toledo has a choir concert that takes out two of my kids and the middle school has a choir concert that takes out one of my kids. And I can't ask them to miss their concert because that's a grade. Yeah, that's their grade. No, you and can't so it's just like I have to know going in, okay, final dress is not actually final dress. Our final tech rehearsal with the full cast is Wednesday, two days before mm-hmm. we open. And then we will have a rehearsal on Thursday, but we're going to be missing three people. Yeah, that's rough. And it's not like you can know all of this before you pick your show dates because you don't know who's going to come out or which schools. Well, it's yeah, and, and and we can't, there's no way to avoid everything. There's no, just no way to avoid it's every conflict. Impossible. Um, and so you just kind of have to pick your battles. Uh, but I'm I'm interested to see how my cast does with that rehearsal with the three gaps during time. That'll be interesting. We'll see. For sure. I'll report back. I'm sure on this podcast I'll report back and let you oh, know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is going to be a really great time capsule for us. Yeah. Um, I have a similar issue um, with... Uh, I promised everybody we'll get to the actual news in a minute, but I have a similar issue working in the school in that there is a school policy, a district school policy, and a lot of school districts have something like this that says that um, you cannot participate in after-school activities unless you attend a half day of school that day. Right. Right. So that gets really interesting, especially during tech week. Yeah. Especially during tech week when they're already tired and they're already getting sick or are sick. It's like, sorry, guys, if like I'm not going to tell you to sleep through first period because I'm not going to do that. But you have to be at school for four periods in order to attend rehearsal that night. So you do the math. Yeah. And you talk to your parents and you take care of yourselves. But also, like, if you do not go to school friday you cannot be at opening night yeah that's rough i don't have to deal with that luckily yeah and i find out by uh opening up the attendance spreadsheet for the school aha which is just delightful so uh yesterday we love that for i opened the spreadsheet at about uh it was about 8 30 a.m and i had two of my actors marked as absent Uh friday morning opening night i was just like dear lord please let them just show up and be tardy, please, please, please. And they did. They when it was okay, but there was a hot second where I was like, "This is gonna get really interesting." Oh, that's such a weird thing because it's like this should be kind of an exception, mm-hmm. except that they can't make exceptions like that because then they'd have to make exceptions for everything, right? And then you have to deal with snow days too if school get, gets canceled. Yeah, there was one year. I think it was two years ago. We had a snow day. Uh, opening night. Interesting. Like and um, the custodians and everybody really banded together and they cleared everything and we were able to have opening night and mm-hmm. we were able to make that call. It was like noon that day. Um, but that was real touch and go oh, yeah. for a minute too. So it's uh, certainly interesting. Um, but you know what else is interesting? What? The fact that one of my college friends got cast in a tour yeah? Yeah. Shout out Mariah Burks. 
she got cast as the cook in the forthcoming national uh, North American tour of Clue. That's exciting. I know Mariah Burks a little bit. I know who that is. Yes. We shared a stage in uh, Summertime, that very, very weird not Shakespeare show. Uh-huh. Uh, that is just wild. Uh, Charles, me writes some crazy stuff. It's very good. Uh, but Mariah is going to play the cook. It's her first tour. Very, very, very excited for her. She'll be in Louisville, so that might be the closest one. Okay. Closest stop. I don't know. I got to figure it out. Um, but it's super exciting. Uh, and actually starts later this month, February. Their first tour stops the Orpheum in Minneapolis. Uh, starting February 27th. Looks like a good cast, but shout out Mariah. Shout out BGSU. Let's go. Congratulations. She just won a bunch of Cleveland Theater Awards Fantastic. for uh, playing Joe from Little Women. Okay. Yeah. She's incredible. Way to go, Mariah. It's very weird to part the curtain here for a second. I don't have segues at 11 a.m. in the morning. No, we don't usually record in the morning. No. Nope. It's all real blunt. Um, so I'm going to segue out of clue to gutenberg and i'm not sure how that segue works something about um discovering a murderer i don't know if that's part of the plot of gutenberg but i don't know you know what else killed at the box office gutenberg because they recouped they recouped which it also closed yeah it's also closing but it was scheduled to close it was a limited run it wasn't one of these it's like we're Mm -hmm. gonna go as long as we can and it's great that they recouped, and I think probably they recouped because I I have to believe that they have a smaller budget than most shows on Broadway right now. I would have to imagine that. So there's some actual numbers in this article from Theater Mania, which is interesting. They don't always come out. Um, the Broadway run of Gutenberg has wrapped up their run at as planned, we should say that, uh, at the James Earl Jones following 117 performances and 29 previews. It broke the box office record at the James Earl Jones in its final week, grossing $1.4 million That's fantastic. In its final week, which beats the previous record at that theater, also set by Gutenberg in the final week of 2023. Hey, that's when I saw it. 20-week run of Gutenberg the Musical has recouped its initial investment of how much, Cassie? Initial investment. Initial investment. I'm so bad at this game because I don't have a concept. Five million. More, unfortunately. So this is uh, for all of the people out there who maybe don't totally follow all the Broadway money. When we talk about Broadway is a business, we talk about it as a business. It's a lot of money. The initial investment for Gutenberg the Musical was $6.75 million. Okay. And they recouped that in 20 weeks. Which is impressive because a lot of shows never recoup their investment. No. And $6.75 million, if you could put on a Broadway musical for less than $7 million, that's astounding. And that's you do so it low. by being bare bones and... Yeah, you, you pay two people. You pay two people, yeah. The, yeah. Pit, the pit was three people. You pay two people and you have two understudies and yeah. that's it. That was it. And then you have a rotating producer every night and you do the greatest TikTok marketing possible. Oh, yeah. I really hope whoever said, hey, if we put the extra producer on TikTok every single night, we will sell more tickets. Yeah. Because then people are excited about like, oh, who's going to be... 
Who's when it I get be there? For my night? Yeah. And I was sitting waiting. I was like, who are they getting for the final performance? Who they've got to get somebody good for the closing of Gutenberg. And they did. And they they and got it was the Hillary queen. Clinton. They got Hillary. No, that was not the final. I mean, they did get Hillary, but that wasn't they the final did one. Get Hillary Clinton. Um, no, they got the Queen. They got Audra. It's astounding. How early do you think they decided that? For Audra, that was probably a pretty early on decision. Yeah, they were like when they opened, they were like, "Hey, this is a good bit, Audra. What are you doing on right?" Because uh, I feel like January they could 28th. have. I feel like they could have a list of people that they wanted to ask, and it'd be like, "Let me know, you know, when you're available. We'll find a gap. We'll pencil you in." But yeah. for the closing, like we need to get somebody solid for the closing, and we need to ask them now. Like we need to lock this in. Yeah, and they did, and she did, and it was great. I did. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on mic but i did some more research into it and they do have a put-in rehearsal earlier that Mm -hmm. day like a couple hours before the show for whoever is playing the producer so they walk them through it and they hit their marks and they hit their lines and tell them where to stand and everything and they uh, tell them very specifically do not touch the hat because that's where the microphone is (laughs) so that's why uh, as you see it there it's all basically the same it's all go here say something go here say something give them the piece of paper and walk away and some of them do that and some of them embellish and nathan lane does nathan lane things of course but it's such a good bit and i don't it's it's like the perfect timing of tiktok is super popular and here's a very short clip with different people every single night and you couldn't have written a better marketing plan yeah for this and i don't know how broadway recaptures that again but I really think we're going to start to see more things done like this very specifically. And I, it kind of reminded me of the Ham for Ham shows. Yeah, a little bit. Because little that was bit. really yeah. getting people connected. Could you imagine connected. the Ham for Ham shows with TikTok? That'd be f- amazing. Yeah. Not that absolutely. Hamilton needs the help, but like... Yeah, they're fine. But a similar kind of idea and a similar platform could go a long way for some of these shows. Speaking of Hamilton and money, um, how much... Of the box office, does Lin Manuel take home from every performance of Hamilton? Do you know this number? I don't. Five percent. I think that seems high. Like good for him, but yeah. Well, he has like seven credits on the thing. Right. Exactly. Like. And they wrote it. Um. And when Lin Manuel wrote all of those initial contracts, um, the original everybody else in the original Broadway cast that's on the original recording gets a percentage as well. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. So that meant he does too. So, but yeah. yeah, he gets 5%. So he's fine. I mean, good for him. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. It's great. It's super great. Including, segue, because I don't think we've talked about it yet on here, including working his way into somehow playing Hermes. I will God not of hear, male. I will not hear slander against Lynn in this role. He does a phenomenal job. I finished it yesterday. See, I'm I watching I'm watching with uh, my friend and we watch on Friday nights because that's when we both know that we have an evening off work because the library closes sure. early. And so three weeks ago, Kai was sick. And mm. then last week she had something going on. And then yesterday, which was Friday and the week of the finale, she had a colonoscopy. So... I have still not seen the last three episodes. Oh, no. We're supposed to watch them tomorrow. 
Okay, um, that's good. And that's so good. Is, hopefully, so is I don't remember which episode was which. Was so you've seen five? Was five the? I Lotus? I will be honest that I have watched one episode past uh, where she has. So I have seen Lynn in the Lotus Hotel. I don't remember if it was with my friend or if that was okay. one that I watched by myself. That was really good. He did a great job, and I think that he he works. There was a great TikTok I saw. Uh, because in the Percy Jackson canon, Hermes is the god with the most children, which means that Hermes is the god who's having the most affairs with mortal women. And yeah. somebody was making noise like, and you cast Lin-Manuel Miranda to play that? And then somebody <laughs> else came in and was like, okay, if you're saying that, you do not understand the power of the one straight boy in the musical theater community. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's that's where it is. That's, that's, that's very, accurate. That's fair. That's, that's the ac- fair. That's accurate. You can tally up numbers real quick. And he's charming. <laughs> he's a charming guy. Yeah. He's literally just, they put him in a hoodie and had, had him lean over a craft when, table. That's it. When they were releasing the photos of everybody, you know, all the gods, like the promotional photos. Mm-hmm. And I was flipping through and I'm like, oh, Dionysus looks great. Ares looks great. Hephaestus looks great. Like flipping through. And then I was mm-hmm. like, and there's Lynn. Is that a promotional photo from the show or is that just a picture of Lynn? I thought it was an American Express commercial. Right. <laughs> like, okay. No, oh, it's real good. Okay. Well, we will uh, pencil in Percy Jackson. Pencil in talking Fox. about Percy Jackson. Absolutely. Yeah, There's a musical Percy that. Jackson. We can make There's it There's a musical. Absolutely. 100%. There's yeah. a lot of Broadway people in there too. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's, my, here's my sad segue out of Percy Jackson. Okay. Um, because at the end of uh, the final episode of Percy Jackson, this is not a spoiler. Um, it says in memory of Lance Reddick. Yeah. So, um, so that's good. But then it it does sadly segue for us into we've lost several stars here in the last we have week. Cheetah Rivera is um, the big one that hit me the most. Oof that that one hurt. That hurt a little bit. Broadway I mean, legend. Like, for like 70 years, Broadway legend. Too. Yeah, so Trailblazer like, broke so much ground. It's been really cool to see all of the tributes to her, not just from people who worked with her, but from like people who who staged oared or saw her do this and they got her autograph or saw her do this and they got her picture. And it's just a lot of like positive stories of like she was always lovely and great and she took the time and did it the right way and it's really it's been really cool to to hear and see after, you know, such a long full life squarely in the spotlight. Yeah. And we lost Carl Weathers too, um which uh I'm counting as uh Broadway adjacent because there is a Rocky musical which I will never do. I don't know how many times that'll ever get done ever again, but uh Carl Weathers for those who don't know was Apollo Creed in the original Rocky movies. He was in Predator. Um, you know, he, w- he was a voice in Toy Story. Okay. Uh, he voiced Combat Carl, of all things. That, so, that talks. Uh, yeah, most recently he was nominated for an Emmy as Grief Karga in the Mandalorian TV show. So um, some pretty recent audiences have seen him as well, uh, and we lost him hit in battle. Three-time Tony winner made his debut debut as the... Made his debut as the original Scarecrow in The Wiz. That was a couple years ago. Yeah, just a few. He's also a choreographer. He worked on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Once More with Feeling musical episode. Wow. Okay. 
for for many reasons. I have never actually I had never actually finished Buffy, and then since Britt passed, I haven't continued to watch it. But yeah. I'm very familiar with the musical episode. Of course. He studied ballet at the School of American Ballet under George Balanchine. Wow, that's... And then 1974 was Scarecrow and the Wiz. Look at that. Look at you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually the most awarded actor in the Best Feature Actor in a Musical. Yeah, he won three. Wow. Good for him. And the only reason he didn't play the Scarecrow in the film version of the woods was because there was this guy named michael jackson yeah who did it so i guess that's fine he did a lot he was uh he did uh dream girls sophisticated ladies uh chicago he was billy flynn ragtime um he won another tony for uh miss saigon he's done a whole bunch of things he was also co-director and choreographer for evil dead performed on dancing with the stars at one point Look at this guy go. Rest in peace. To Hinton and to all the stars we've lost in last week, it's been a long, long week. But we do have some... Nope, nope, this is bad news still. We've also lost a show that we all kind of saw it coming because there was no way it was going to make the money. How to Dance in Ohio has announced... Uh, it will be ending its run on Sunday, February 11th, um, with uh, 27 previews and 72 uh, performances. Um, this, the show is about a group of autistic teenagers preparing to attend a dance. Yeah, and... it's a shame because they were doing a lot of interesting and important things for accessibility in theater. Yes. And I'm sad to be losing that conversation. I'm glad they're getting a cast recording. They are getting a cast recording, which is which great. Which not every small show gets because it's very expensive to do a cast recording. But again, because they've had so much focus on accessibility, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they prioritized, you know, getting the soundtrack out into the world because that's really how you make the connection that you need to get your show produced regionally is make sure yes. that people know it. Yes. And because of the specific casting requirements and accessibility requirements it'll be interesting to see how many regional theaters pick this up Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very interested to see that I do not know how many community theaters can do this show because you still need some money and some reach behind it and to be able to sell it like I could very 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 easily see the next production of this tour being mounted in Cleveland we do how to dance in Ohio we do it in Ohio I think yeah. we're going to see it, and I think it'll be neat. Um, but, yeah, they I don't know how much money this show lost. I don't think we'll ever really know. Um, so I wonder if there's any grants in there anywhere because of the accessibility parts of it all. I wonder how much of it can be written off somehow because of all of that. I don't know. I don't think there, there's never quite yeah, been anything like this either. on Broadway. So it'll be interesting to see what Brian, the business analyst, Brian, the Broadway business analyst, says about this, because um, I'm sure he's going to have his pulse on that. And he is, by the way, a great TikTok follow. Yeah, he is. And I'm I'm really interested to see how this might change how other shows approach accessibility and also how other shows approach casting autistic actors. 
because I'm sure that, you know, some in the past have struggled to find work or to be cast because of that argument, you know, like, are they up to the challenge of blah, 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 blah. And now this show has proved that of course they are. And so hopefully that's opening some more doors and some other shows on Broadway will start to follow suit. We'll see. Um, hopefully uh, we saw it a little bit through the spring awakening revival. We've seen other disabilities show up on stage correctly and in more varied roles we saw in Oklahoma. So I guess we'll see how that continues to go. Cause at the end of the day, Broadway, actual Broadway is a business and yeah. it is a for profit industry. Um, I've got three more pieces of news over here that we'll okay. run through. Your favorite, Stephanie J. Block, will make her West End debut in a new production of... I saw this. Kiss Me Kate. Kiss Me Kiss Kate. Me I Kate. was like, I, I know the answer to this because I I've, I've saw the article. Kiss Me Kate. I'm not super familiar with Kiss Me Kate. I should get familiar with Kiss Me Kate because I think anybody who can make Taming of the Shrew palatable mm-hmm. deserves some recognition. So it it won the first Tony. So Shakespeare did in fact win the first Tony for a musical, which of is of course my that favorite that makes sense thing yeah. ever. Some other notes with this: uh, it's a Cole Porter written show, so it's you know like a hundred years old. But it has uh, brush up your Shakespeare, another yes. opinion, another show, uh, too darn hot uh, are some of the songs from it. She will be joined by a cast of fifty. That's a lot of people, and a full orchestra. That's also a lot of people. That's a lot of people and a lot of money, and we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting to see how much they update that script, too. Yeah. So we'll see. In this age of updating scripts. Yep, in this age of updating scripts. uh, Updating scripts or updating other stories or everything that goes with that. So I've got two more uh, uh, show announcements that are coming soon. We know what Sarah Bareilles next musical is yep she's teaming up with sarah rule who which is, is pretty exciting playwright yeah yes she Just is seems like a match made in heaven they are collaborating on a musical adaptation of meg wallitzer's novel the interestings it's a story of six people who meet as teenagers at an arts camp and follow their lives over the decades as their youthful dreams and bonds shift with middle age, further information forthcoming. But huh. just get that little announcement. And I don't know if that's going to be any good, but I would trust the two of them to figure it out. Yes, for sure. In other new musical news, uh, we have an industry-only presentation here in a couple of weeks uh, that we would normally probably gloss over, except for the sheer amount of names attached to this. So we're going to talk about it. Um We've figured out how to do a, the Lost Boys, not Peter Pan. There is a 1987 horror comedy film directed by Joel Schumacher. It's about two teenage brothers who move with their divorced mother to the fictional town of Santa Carla, California, only to discover that it is a haven for vampires. Wait, wait, wait. I see that face, Cassie. Hold on. Let me I don't uh, do vampires, Ryan. I don't do You're them. You're about to. You're about to. I don't think I am. This industry only presentation will feature Cassie Levy. Okay. Nathan Le- Levy from Dear Evan Hansen. 
Okay. My favorite, Lorna Courtney from Anne Juliet. Music and lyrics uh, by the band The Rescues. Tony Award nominee Ethan Pop is the music supervisor. It's written by David Hornsby from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is all very, very, very interesting. But if I haven't got you yet, the director is Michael Arden. Ah, oh, damn it. I'm sorry. Can we curse like that on this family-friendly show? That's okay. We could drop one every Michael now and then. Michael Arden. Yeah. Michael Arden. Come on, man. Yep. So you gotta keep track. I of don't this like one. vampires. What does industry-only presentation even mean? It usually means it's like a uh, staged reading, and they sing some songs, and they. Um, okay. They're looking for money, so they're trying to find producers, and they're trying to see if it works. Um, <laughs> I think a good so example Gutenberg of this is... Gutenberg in real life. Yeah, Gutenberg in real life, basically. A good example of this is the uh, Tick, Tick, Boom movie, I think, where at the end of the film, um, Andrew Garfield gets his uh, musical performed to a cast to like about 100 people, and they're all producers, and he's trying to get some feedback but get some money. Um, so that's kind of a good insight into how that part of Broadway works. But, Yeah. It's an interesting time, for sure. We'll continue to see adaptations of films and books, but, you know, when you put Michael Arden on it, when Michael Arden picks his next project, we all kind of sit up and take notice. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to deny. Yeah. Because he's a very, very talented director. If anybody can figure out vampires on Broadway, it's probably him. <laughs> it's Michael Arden. I would I would agree with that. So the, the only thing I have left is... Uh, we called it, not that it was hard, um, a f- several episodes ago, uh, but they have now officially announced that Beauty and the Beast will be remounted on a national tour. To last two years, I believe it said. A two-year tour. A two-year tour. And as someone who... I have worked on, on Beauty and the Beast the musical before I worked crew for it at a semi-professional production when I was in high school. And I know that you've directed the junior version. Yep, twice. A couple times. Yep. Um, my question for you is, presumably if they are removing the rights to do a national tour, presumably they, they are making some changes to the music or the script they're mm-hmm. certainly going to make changes to the design elements of it. Yes. What changes do you think are warranted or would you just like to see in this very iconic, so frequently done Disney musical? Well, they're still going to have Emma do it, right? Like Emma's going to go on tour for two years to do it. Like she's really going to figure out how to sing and and get her redemption. <laughs> No, that's not going to happen. Probably not, no. No, probably not, no. Um, Man, it's so... Because there's... It's so strange because Beauty and the Beast was originally animation. It's an animated movie. Yes. So things look the way they look and they have to be very specific and bright. But it's also really easy to draw a candlestick that talks in French. Right? Taking that right. and putting it on the stage... It's like, okay, well, at the end of the day, it still has to be a person. So we have that very iconic look from the animated film, but then it goes to like, okay, that looks one way, and then putting it on stage, it looks another way because it physically has to. 
and then they made the live action movie which looked another way because it physically had to because it was a live action film yeah and they made changes along the way to each version but then there are some things that stay the same like bell has a gold dress bell has a blue dress the beast's horns look a specific way so as long as ever more still in it i'm good you mean if i can't love her I said what I said. Because that's the Broadway version. You said what you said. See, here's my thing. This this has long been one of my hangups with Beauty and the Beast. And it it doesn't bother me a lot, but it bothers me just a little bit every time I see a production because I'm sitting there going, there is a better way to do it. It's not there's got to be a better way to do it. It's there physically is a better way to do it. When this musical first was designed – the way that they did the enchanted objects, absolutely, that's what made sense. But now we've done Lord Farquaad in Trek. We've done Olaf in Frozen. We've done mm. the Winnie the Pooh musical. I am so tired. If I see one more production with this kind of money and this kind of like talent being put into it, where the enchanted objects are the same size as Belle, I'm going to riot. <laughs> I yeah, want to see puppetry. I And, and like, yes, okay. It has to be bigger than a teapot. It has to be bigger than a candlestick to read yeah. in a theater. Right. But Otherwise we can do yeah. we can do these half size puppets. Mm-hmm. And then at least there's a little bit of size discrepancy. And when Belle is talking to Lumiere, she's not looking up at somebody who's taller than she is. Yeah, that's a big problem. And the same thing is true for me in the other direction. I want the beast to be so much bigger than Belle. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I want to see the beast on some sort of like stilt apparatus that makes him change the way he moves physically so that he feels more monster like. And again, Which we I think kind that's of saw possible. We with, saw it in the I really like what they did in the Josh Groban live sing along. It would require some tweaking to be put on stage because it, he could not really articulate in that. He could not really emote in that. There's a reason no. he stepped out of it to sing. Yeah. Um, but I think that that design has a lot of potential and that you could do some really interesting, fascinating things design wise with having that like cage of a puppet where you can still see the performer inside. You can do mm-hmm. a lot with that metaphor. Yes, you really could. Yeah. The actor trapped inside the beast is yeah. a very good bit, especially I would assume they would keep the prologue where we see the prince turn into the beast yeah. right and they find a good way to do that um it's it's one of those things that it feels like it's so weird to say because there's no definitive version of this story even though disney keeps telling it the same way over and over and we have such a clear view of like bits and pieces of the show of this is what this looks like but they, it keeps getting changed and shifted and turned around in a new song and it take this away and then yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, we have dancing cups and plates for Be Our Guest. Yes. Right. That's got to happen. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, at the end of the show, we all know that the beast almost kind of dies and gets turned back into a prince. Like, that's how this works. But how we get there and how we show it is what I am very interested to see. And Disney has the money. Disney has the money. And so I'm going to be so disappointed if we don't get that kind of dramatic redesign. 
Just like I'm disappointed every time somebody does cats and puts people in just spandex lycra suits again. Yeah. I mean, beyond just being disappointed whenever anybody does cats, period. Well, that's... uh, uh, We made it uh, 39 (laughs) minutes before we brought up our good friend Andy. That might be a new record. So there's just so much opportunity to do something really cool with the look of this show. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think they can do it while keeping some of the stuff already in place. Like, Belle walks in in that gold dress and they dance to Beauty and the Beast, Tales Told It's Time. Like, that's perfect. Like, you found it, don't change it. Right. You can change so many other things. You can change how the beast moves. You can change how big he is. You can change how uh, all of the enchanted objects work. You can change so many other things and still keep the, the the vibe of it the same, right? She can still have that blue dress for um, for Belle, and you know, she's reading the book, and you make the Romeo and Juliet joke. Like, you can keep all of that, but you can change so many other things. It'll be interesting to see where they land on it, um, and if this does turn into a new definitive version or not, because you're announcing a two-year... You're pulling all of the rights... For this nobody else can do it and then you're announcing a two-year tour a year and a half in advance yeah because it doesn't start until midway through 2025 right like they've got to be they've got to be gunning for broadway at the end of this right you've got to be but but if you're doing uh so that's the thing it's like if you're going to tour the united states for two years and then it ends up on broadway like that's great but you've spent two years taking this thing around the country and that's what people have been seeing why would you then go and take that show and drop it down on Broadway at that point. But then also, if you're trying to make a new definitive version of the show, are we going to get an official national tour cast recording? That would be cool. Especially if they make changes to the music. It'd be very cool. That's just not how the industry works usually. So this would be a very... We've talked about out-of-town tryouts coming back, right? And shows running out of town, trying it and coming back to Broadway and doing that. But this would be a whole other level if this is what Disney does. Because everybody already knows this show. Like, yes, everybody knows the Disney movies, but this show as well is is consistently in the list of top performed musicals at high school. I think it's absolutely in the top 10 every year. So like, yeah. I guarantee you that everybody who is a theater goer has seen a community school regional production of beauty and the beast at least once yeah and they're they're. i guess they're gonna bank on hey you love this story come see disney redo it yeah i guess but we're I gonna mean, put it on tour if it comes near me i'm probably gonna go see it i would honestly yeah we'll see yeah well and the disney theaters are full right now so yeah. aladdin and lion king are not going anywhere no. so it's fine tell you what disney musical needs a update revamp that was aladdin i was so (laughs) underwhelmed by the book of that musical the the score is great the soundtrack's amazing and then i watched the actual show and i was like what is this yeah how did you miss the mark this badly that's just my my disney hot take over here for this morning and i'm i'm still amazed that they made that into another live action and then did not update the Broadway, and the Broadway's still there. Like, yeah, I thought the live action would spell the end of Aladdin on Broadway because I'm like, who is going to see this? Like, 
even if you're going to Broadway to see a Disney show, it's still number two. Yeah. Lion King's never going to leave. No, right? Lion King's like, going to be there forever. Yeah. I don't understand. And there's so many other shows that Disney could be doing. Like, so many others. <coughs> Hunchback. <coughs> <laughs> but then we would have to not listen to Michael Arden and Patrick Page do it. I mean, that I would never not listen to Michael Arden and Patrick Page. Um, just get them back. Have them do it again. No, uh, I had a friend on Facebook um, from elementary school. So, like, we're, we're Facebook friends, but but haven't really seen each other in person since we were children. Um, and the other day she made a post on her Facebook that was like, we need a live action reboot of Hunchback of Notre Dame that keeps the music because the music is awesome, but really dives into the, like, darker pieces of the story that weren't in the animated movie and i swooped in and left a comment i was like have you seen the stage musical can i introduce you to the stage musical we've done this because it's exactly it what you're asking for it's you all want the, music. the german version here you go yeah it's all the music it's more of the music mm-hmm. but at the same time it is also delving into the darker themes of the story including the ending most specifically it's so, so- it's so good it's such a good script and it's oh man okay we could just be mad at disney for a while we should probably wrap this up probably (laughs) thanks so much for coming along with us on this journey into the broadway news world uh thank you to all of our backers over on patreon at ghostlightmedia.net and uh, get at us in the discord i still need a new intro so if you got any suggestions i'm willing to workshop a couple things and if you are a member of the Patreon, uh, Ryan and I fell down the High School Musical, the Musical, the Series rabbit hole again for last month's episode. Sure so you should definitely give that a listen. That show is better than it has any right to be, Ryan. It is so, it's so much better than it has any right to be. And I hate that I have to wait five months to watch the next episode, especially <laughs> since the episode was like 27 minutes. I know. It was so fast. And then halfway through it, Julia Lester's like, hang on, I got an original song for you. Oh, we love Julia Lester. It was so good. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be done because we could just talk about this for a while now. <laughs> we already did on our Patreon episode. So join the Patreon <laughs> we, and check that out. Go listen. It's great. It's a good time. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, we will talk to you next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.